worthy. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. So worthy in this place. So worthy in this place, Lord. We just give you praise. Now, we did the churchy praise God stuff just now. But I'm wondering if we can praise God like he just did something powerful in our lives. Can we take 30 seconds and just give God praise in this place today? He is so worthy. Oh, you're so worthy, Lord Jesus. Father, continue to speak to us today. Lord, challenge us with your word. Do what you do best in this place, Father. Thank you for your presence here. Lord, I thank you for these people that have gathered here today, not just to go through another church service, but to be in your presence and encounter the one true God. Father, it's my heart that churches all over would experience what we're experiencing today. And even with greater magnitude, Lord, let your power and your presence be in the place. Father, we thank you again for your presence. Lord, we thank you for the promises you've spoken. For when you speak, it's not just words. When you speak, creative acts take place. When you speak, you speak the truth of your word. When you speak, your word does not return to you void. When you speak, Lord, your promises never fail. Lord, we give you praise for your faithfulness, for caring enough about us to be with us, and not just be with us, Lord, but to speak to us this morning. We give you honor and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. You can be seated, if you can, in the presence of the Lord this morning. Uh, I love moments like this. It just feels so discrediting to call this a service because it's more than that, you know. And I guess it would be appropriate to call this just an encounter with the presence of God. And I got good news for you, for everyone watching online and in-house today. The good news is, hey, this could be Monday morning for you. This could be Tuesday afternoon for you. There is nothing that says that the only time that God could move is in a service like this, though there is something special about getting together as a corporate body Amen. of believers. And I think you need that in your life. I think it's foolish to say that you can have a walk with God apart from the church of God. Um, the two are, are, are not separable. You, you cannot separate them. They're, they're joined together for sure. Because to be part of what God is doing on the earth, you have to be connected to the body of Christ for sure. Um, let me encourage you. This is your first time here. Welcome to Eastgate Church. So glad that you're here. Um, our agenda is just to let God do what he wants to do. And, and when I say that, sometimes there's misinterpretation of that. We're not going to be a hippie church. I guess that's where everything's just all goosebumps and it's loose and you know there's no order or flow or anything like that. Um, we believe in excellence. We believe in order because God is a God of order and structure and he's not a God of confusion But within that, there's beautiful spontaneity that you have to be sensitive to and let God do what he wants to do. And uh, we're just humbled that he did that today. I want to say thank you, everybody being here today. My goodness, you could be doing anything else on the planet today, and you're in the house of God. And if you happen to be a guest here today, let me again say welcome. I know it's a big deal to try out any church because there's a lot of apprehension, and you just don't know the people or the culture or, or what's going to happen. Let's say thank you for trusting us enough to, to try out what's happening here today. And I just say maybe come back another two, three, twenty-five, thirty thousand 30,000 times and, and let God speak to you. We're glad that you're here. We always say welcome home. When you walk through those doors, you're not a guest anymore. You're family. And we're glad that you're here today. Um, in the spirit of what has just been happening, we've got a very special service um, planned out today, uh, special speakers coming in, and I, I love this. Um, we had something very similar happen the last time you guys were here. Maybe y'all should just show up every week, and we'll just see <laughs> what what God does. Um, but the last time uh, Paul and Karen Whitley were with us, um, we had a, a really strong move of the Spirit of God, and it just consumed the whole time for service. And they had such a great spirit, 
and great attitude about the whole thing. And I think y'all were blessed as much as we were with what the Lord was doing that day. And we said we would do our best to get them back as soon as possible to share their hearts, talk about their adventures on the missions field, and uh, just share probably what is one of the most powerful testimonies of healing and restoration that I've heard in my life. And to God be the glory for that. Um, but if you guys would, Eastgate Church, um, if you would, let's give God praise and let's show some love for the ministry and faithfulness of Paul and Karen Whitley as they come to the stage this morning. They're just some special people. I told Paul he had to sit on the far end away from me because he looks too good this morning. <laughs> yeah, make me look bad. I love you guys. Grab a seat. The microphones are on the couch there for you. If y'all would remember to hold them up close to your mouth there so everyone can hear what you have to say in-house and online. Um, I will say this on, on the front end. Uh, I'm a big believer and supporter of missions, um, especially home missions in the U.S., and I believe we're called first to our community as a church, but, but global missions is incredibly important. You can't go into all the world to preach the good news unless you go into all the world to preach the good news, and I'm so grateful for those that are called especially to that missions field. And um, I announced last time that, that you guys were here. We wanted to be able to partner with uh, Paul and Karen and, and their ministry and help them do what the Lord has called them to do. And a lot of y'all responded uh, beautifully to that, to sow into their ministry that day. We're going to do the same thing again a little bit later today, but we want to do something special. So for everyone watching online and everyone in the house today, if you'll take just maybe 20 seconds and pull out your phones, if you would hop on social media, watch the volumes on your phone, by the way, uh, hop on social media and check in today on social media here at, at Eastgate Church. Check in, and if you would, share our live stream today. If you'll do that, um, what we will do is we will donate a dollar to missions for every check-in and share that we have today uh, of the ministry that's, that's going on. Um, it's an easy way to help uh, support the missions effort of the church and uh, like I said, later today you'll have an opportunity to sow into the ministry. Actually, we'll do this just any time today, uh, above and beyond your tithes and offerings, of course. You always say this because people will just give everything. And you give first to your local church. Amen. Okay, you give first to your local church. And then above and beyond that, you support um, ministries like this. And uh, so above and beyond your, your tithes and offerings that you would give today, Feel free to hop online and go to eastgatechurch.cc and uh, under the giving tab, you'll see tithes and offerings and then you'll see missions in there. Um, everything given to missions today will go to support the ministry of Paul and Karen and what they do across the world. I feel like I'm talking too much. Welcome. I'm so glad that y'all are here. So glad that y'all are here for sure. Um, my goodness, I, I want to be quiet and this may take the next three or four hours, could y'all just share with us a little bit about your ministry, what you do, and how many countries you are connected with currently uh, with your missions effort? Well, uh, the name of our ministry is Invading the Darkness. And uh, God gave us that name uh, as we started working with the former Soviet Union countries. And uh, uh, it used to be something called Behind the Iron Curtain, but many of our young people probably uh, haven't really heard of that before. <laughs> Most of them are young. I look at them. And, well, compared to me. Uh, and uh, we... we oh, thanks, oh, see, honey. now that's a pro move right there. <laughs> yeah. That's a pro move. Y'all need to take notes on that. <laughs> and uh, we had, we've, we've had such a wonderful time. We... We uh, for, were first called to Romania, and you guys, uh, the older ones anyway, might remember when uh, Ceausescu was uh, yeah. there, and they went into the orphanages, and there were just so many children uh, in those orphanages and so on. And so we, 
we, uh, we felt led to go to a place called Cluj-Napoca. It was in the center of the country when most people were just going right there to the edge of the, the country and begin working. And the, the Lord helped us to meet a, a wonderful pastor. And we were able to, to build two churches there, start wow. a Bible school there. And um, I remember we were in the... Um, in one of the places, by the way, Romania was the only place where they actually shot guns to get their freedom. The, the rest of the uh, Iron Curtain countries uh, just folded and uh, freedom came. Wow. But, Chauch but uh, Romania had to fight for it. And so we were in there uh, in the center of the city where there were, I think, 23 people who were killed during that revolution. And so um, we, were, we were with a group of people and we had an evangelist with us and got on a bench. There was about probably 100 people gathered up in just a few minutes. And at the end of that, we asked for the, those that would like to receive Christ as their personal savior to step forward. Well, everyone in the crowd except for about three people stepped forward. Wow. And we thought, well, they don't understand. So <laughs> we explained it again. You, you, are, you are giving your life to Christ. You, you are laying down your desires. You are picking up Christ's desires. You are going to be able to walk in that freedom. Um, but uh, there's a price to pay. And if you, if you want to become a disciple of the Lord, take up your cross and follow him. And the whole crowd came forward again. We started to do it a third time because we were looking at each other and said, these folks just don't understand. <laughs> and, uh, it could and, be uh, Southern English. So, <laughs> so uh, English. The, the, but the Lord began to spoke to us and said, now is Romania's time. Wow. Now I'm calling my people. And uh, we, we uh, started also doing Bible distributions at that time. And uh, when you pulled out the Bible, it was almost like a, a crowd would rush you. And so we had to get on the back of a truck and have the truck move slowly forward as we were passing out those Bibles or we would have gotten wow. stampede. And let me tell you, as we visited the churches, you know, um, the Bible was considered a dangerous book. And uh, we, we have seen handwritten Bibles and when there was a Bible, one Bible in a whole church, and they got turns, they took turns having this Bible in their home, copying it as much as they could, as long as they didn't staying up all night so that they could have their own little copy of the Bible. It's just amazing. It, I don't know if we could appreciate that to that level here in the States because, I mean, pick a translation or a version of the Bible, and if you've got the money, you can go get it. But you're talking about a void that most people haven't even experienced, the hunger. They're, they're literally writing down. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. Yeah. So we were, we were in one little village, and uh, uh, we, uh, it was a farmer's village. And it was like going back 100 years in time. I mean, ox carts and that kind of thing, and um, uh, plows being pulled by oxen or, or uh, mules, and uh, wells for water. And um, uh, anyway, uh, we, we went there, and the church was supposed to start at 7 o'clock, and nobody was there. And we, we, uh, we looked at John John's they're coming, you know, they're farmers. They've got to feed their animals. They're going to work until night. They're going to feed their animals, and then they're coming. And uh, about by 8.30, the place was packed out. Wow. And um, Paul began preaching. And uh, he looked at his watch, and all of a sudden, he noticed it was like 11.30. And uh, because there's a lot of praise and worship, there's a lot of poetry. Uh, people write beautiful poems unto the Lord. And uh, it wasn't just his long preaching. But anyway, he, <laughs> so he looked at his watch and he goes, oh, my goodness, these are farmers. They're going to have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I need to dismiss these people. 
And so um, he turned to the translator and he said, you know, um, and he brought the service to an end and prayed for the people, and, um, but nobody moved. And he looked at John and he said, John, did you not tell them the service was over and, you know, they're, they're dismissed? He said, yes, I did, but they're waiting for the second preaching. Oh, wow. Wasn't because I was so good either. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that was, that was really something. That was really something. He said, we can sleep later, but we had not had the word of God given to us. Wow. And on top of that, we finally did. We just told him, said, sorry, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow night and preach again, and uh, we'll do the second message then. And then I expected everybody to leave, but they, we, we thought we were leaving. We had a car there, and we thought we were leaving. And they said, no, you, you come down with us. And they went down, and the people who had left had gone down. Uh, the food had been prepared, but it needed to be put on the table and those kinds of things. And uh, they had a huge meal, one of those kind, you know, when you used to go with grandma, granddad, or whoever, you know, and there was a, a family gathering. They had that kind of food, and then uh, after after we ate, they got us aside and with our translator and took us outside and down to the to the next door, and uh, they said, "We know that you uh, it costs fuel for you to come down. Uh, we had to drive for like an hour to get way back out to this village, and said, and we uh, we want to give gas, and they had." But I had a, a, a diesel engine in the car that I had. And uh, so they said, no problem. So they went and got a, a, a diesel, tractor. diesel tractor. And they filled up my tank and uh, out of their own. And wow. back then, there was very little gas. Pro there was a gas shortage. And uh, I remember one time they, we had to get in line for two hours. Uh, we could see the gas station way down, but there was this big long line of traffic. And uh, but the uh, person who was our guide said, "No, you you could go around all these people and go to the very front because you're a foreigner and you got a foreign tag." And I said, "Those people would kill me. I can't do that." And said, "No, they they expect it." And so I was able to get gas that way. But people would stay in line all day and into the night and maybe into the next day just to get a gas and they don't let them give them like uh, 10 gallons at a time. Huh. So we, uh, <laughs> we were in Russia and we were in Siberia and we did leadership training. That's the, our calling is to do leadership training and to raise up young uh, missionaries and also evangelists and to come alongside the pastor and whatever his vision is to help support him. And uh, our motto was uh, <clears throat> raising up leaders for tomorrow's harvest. Hmm. And that's what we believed. And I think I, I told you last time, our goal is to be like Billy Graham's um, Sunday school teacher who brought him to the Lord. And we, we want to bring as many of those evangelists all over the world and pastors and teachers uh, to Fan their, to fan their gifts and to know who they are in Jesus yeah. Christ and to go forth as the Lord had commanded. We, we were in uh, Siberia and uh, we had the most wonderful experience. Um, we were um, in a small town with college students and in a big auditorium, um, large auditorium. The Holy Spirit came in to that room People were being slain in the spirit in their seats, um, and we had we stayed with this this praise and worship leader. It was a young woman and her husband, and uh, she got slain in the spirit, holding on, uh, you know, at the piano. And so, for I don't know how long it was, <laughs> but uh, they were so hungry for God so hungry and um, it, it was just such a honor and a privilege to be there um, 
at that time. And then the Lord called us to smuggle Bibles into communist China. Uh, we, uh, we had Bible a... smugglers. I love this. <laughs> I love it. Our, our nine-year-old daughter was with us and 40 other people. And we, we got in over 2,000 Bibles and songbooks. Wow. And we were um, um, on the island, and then we would go cross into to China. And we would go by boat, um, by, um, there, there were different types of boats you could get on. You could go by airplane. And the, the idea was to head in there as, with as many people as possible in different uh, avenues of getting there to have that chance of getting our Bibles in. And they told us that normally uh, only oh, less than 50% of the people don't get caught to get their Bibles in. Wow. So the first time we went in, 98% of our Bibles got to where they were going. And yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We were thrilled. Of course, I got, I was one of them that got caught because it's, it was just Karen and, and me and our daughter. And uh, so we went in by, by a train. And then it was just the three of us. It wasn't a group. The group had gone in different ways. And so uh, we stood there and we watched. Uh, we got out and started to go in. And uh, I, I told them, I said, listen, we need to, we need to wait because we're the only three people. For sure, they'll catch us. And so we were waiting just a minute. And I said, well, nobody else is going to come right now, so let's go ahead. So we went in, you had to fill out paperwork and everything, you know. And we were filling that out, and then Karen was kind of watching, and she'd say, well, pretend, pretend that uh, you messed up something, and tear it up and get another paper. And so we were going to wait until another group came, and maybe we could go in with them. And so finally I got the paperwork done, and my daughter, she nine. was nine, and I said, uh, I looked around, and I says, where's your mother? And she says, I don't know, Dad. I said, well, maybe she went to the ladies' room or something, go see. And she came back and she said, Dad, Dad, she's not, I don't see her anywhere. And I said, well, where could she be? And I thought, well, maybe she went in without us. Maybe she, I don't know, I don't have any idea where she is. And so Heather and I, I had this bag, it was full of Bibles. I mean, it was so heavy. And, uh, and it was so heavy that the, the, the tires, the, the yeah. axle were broken. And so I was trying to get through it. And so I went over and, and I, uh, I, I pretended that uh, I did what I was supposed to do and started to walk away. And I said, sir, sir, you have to, you have to put your bag on the belt. belt. And so I put it on, and nobody stopped me. And I said, come on, Heather. And so we started walking. About that time, this little lady, she was only about this tall, you know, and she came up and she said, sir, said, uh, do you have Bibles? <laughs> and I, they told us, don't lie, you know. And I said, uh, yeah, would you like to have a couple? <laughs> she, she got real stern. She said, sir, come here. And so she took me over. You know, I'm a big, tall guy. My daughter is still very young, and she, she only came up to about right here on me. And so I motioned to her, just stand over to the side. And uh, so the lady was going through my, 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 my bag, and I had just had Bibles everywhere, you know. And Heather had a little uh, camera, case. camera case, and we'd pile, filled it up with Bibles. And uh, so she's standing there with her Bibles on her, on her back, and I, and I just looked at her, and I kind of motioned toward the door, you know. And here I've got this young daughter, and we're in a foreign country, and I'm telling her to go into communist China by herself. And I'm just trusting God, you know. And because sometimes, you know, they'll separate the husband and wife, father and mother, and then they'll let them go through, and they'll hold the other one and keep them hostage actually uh, to you know convince the other ones to give up 
So anyway, Heather went through the, through the, the, the door, and so the lady was very nice to me. She, she, she let me keep, I think, five of the Bibles. They would let you do that. And here I get my five Bibles and put them back in this big old empty bag. And I'm thinking, where is my wife? And where is my daughter? And what do I do now? So I went into, uh, through the border and uh, walked down through a hall and walked out. And I looked across and praise God, I saw my wife and my daughter standing on the other side of the street. So she had gotten through. Now tell her what happened to my well, daughter. <clears throat> Remember, they go yeah. get hungry in a little while. So. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, what happened was is that uh, it was a weekday, so there weren't as many, as many people crossing as there was before. So you you were supposed to wait until there was a crowd of people so you could just kind of skip the conveyor belt and go in. Uh, well, as Paul said, there was hardly any people there. And so uh, what I noticed was is that there was a group of fifth graders with chaperones. And they began to go into communist China. And so I just slipped in with the fifth graders as a chaperone and walked Short, right in. They didn't know the difference. Uh, so uh, anyway, our, our daughter came in later, I, and uh, we had a, a, a meeting point that you went to. And so we, we, uh, I went to the meeting point, unloaded my Bibles, and then I went back to the area uh, where you cross into China. And uh, I, I saw my daughter, and she's so happy. She's got this big smile on her face. And they had trained us about what to say to the uh, communist police uh, when, if you get caught. And so they said, if you... Uh, if you get, if they're talking to you, they're questioning you, go, huh, what, what are you saying? And that will embarrass them. And uh, so uh, our daughter said, yeah, the three policemen came up to me, Mom, and they started talking to me. And I just went, huh, what? <laughs> She's good at that, a southern girl. <laughs> she said, they look like they got embarrassed, they left. And I got my Bibles in, and Dad didn't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, but we did have a, and we were told it was dangerous to pass out tracks. But we felt like we could pass out tracks. And so we were in a park area, and we were passing out tracks. And I'm telling you, it was an amazing thing to see. Um, we gave one to this gentleman that was uh, sitting on a bench. And in about two or three minutes, there were in the back, one on each side, looking and reading the track with the gentleman who was reading it on the bench. Wow. There was no tracks thrown down that day. And uh, we got to meet with the underground church there. And uh, these were college students. The missionary uh, who was working with them taught English in the universities. And, of course, he wasn't allowed to speak about Jesus, but... These, these young people are very ferocious uh, learners. And so he'd say, well, today I'm going to go down to the tea shop, and I'm going to have tea, and if you'd like to join me, that would be fine. And so, and, and many and of them... That's like getting coffee over there, getting a thing of tea. So they, uh, tea. They, they would come, and many, he had many, many young people saved. Some of them were doctors, engineers, um, social workers, uh, just you name it. And so we got to have a dinner, and we called it an international dinner, and it was supposed to be an exchange, and we did exchange a whole lot about Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, we had a young doctor sitting at our table, there was, and he could speak English, and uh, different ones were giving their testimony, and he stood up and gave his testimony, and he said, I'm so thankful that Jesus saved me. He said, all I could do for my patients is to give them the best knowledge that I have. Hmm. But now I can give them Jesus. Wow. Hallelujah. There's a, you know, we've been doing this about 40 years, so let me go through real quick and bring you up to, to uh, the last few years. Uh, 
you know, COVID hit, and uh, we were at home, and uh, she got sick. I didn't know what it was. We didn't know that she had COVID, uh, but she got real sick that day, and couldn't get in the hospital, because back then a lot of people were dying. Going to the hospital, they'd be in the hospital two or three days, and they never would come home. And so anyway, she was... Uh, she was real sick, and I was trying to take care of her. And uh, then I got sick. While she was sick, I got sick. And I don't even remember any of that because uh, I, I ended up getting real sick with COVID. And uh, so coma. I had a coma, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I had six, six weeks that I didn't even, I don't even remember. I have no memory of it whatsoever so I can't really tell you very much about what happened to me and so she's gonna have to tell you what happened and we'll we'll we know we you're hungry and you'll be wanting to go home and go to eat or whatever but we'll try to rush this up but Karen Karen I took care of her and then I got it and uh, I can't tell you anything for the next six weeks because I was totally out of it I'm a miracle. See, I remember getting the newsletters um, via email, and the team was they were just so aggressive in asking for prayer for you. Um, Praise God. It was it got close there for a little bit. I'll let you share. Yeah. yeah. Um, about three days after Paul entered into the hospital, they put him in a coma, and then he was on a ventilator, and uh, he had. Uh, he had very serious pneumonia. Uh, his chest was filled with liquid. And, uh, you know, I would call in. I couldn't see him uh, because they weren't allowing anyone to see, but I could call once a day. And uh, anyway, when I would call, I'd say, what's, what's the, the percentage now? And they'd say, well, his, his chest is still something like uh, 90 Seven percent, and he's they're, they're, he's getting very little oxygen. We have him on maximum pressure now. You know, in these mm. machines, they're not just giving you oxygen. There's they they there's pressure along with it to uh, release some of the um, part of your lungs to be able to receive the oxygen. So he was on maximum pe pressure, maximum air. And it, this is the way it was for about six to seven weeks. And, um, you know, th that is a very long time for someone to be in a coma. And uh, that was very unusual. And so they began asking me, do you have, do you, does he have a wish? Do he have a plan and, um, for his life? And, and we both, you know, don't want to be resuscitated. And so she said, you know, I know it's a hard decision for you, but you need to honor what your husband's saying. So, I mean, we had people all over the world telling me that they were praying for Paul. We had missionaries who had all these connections in countries that we've never even been in. Uh, we, had mess we, we worked with the Inuit in the South Arctic for a while. So we had messages from the South Arctic saying that they're praying for Paul. We had messages from the Far East um, that, that they were praying for Paul in Nepal and places like that, things that we've never been before. And, of course, they were praying for Paul all across the United States. And mm -hmm. so um, she, she, they, they, and they were every day, well, don't you think you ought to follow his wishes? Don't you think you ought to do this or that? So uh, we have <clears throat> Paul is also the, the missions director for Faith Christian Fellowship International. And so we, uh, you know, we called our supervisors, and and uh, they said, "Let's give it one more week, Karen. One more week." And uh, he's, on Wednesday, we'll tell them they can take him off of the wow. ventilator. And so, and it's not going to be you, Karen, because I didn't want, you know, you you're not going to kill Paul. If if God wants, He'll raise him right up out of that bed. Yeah. If God. If uh, uh, and if he wants him, take him home. He'll take him home, but it won't be your decision. Yeah. So they began to tell us. Though um, three days after he was put in the coma, 
he had a, a severe stroke. It was a major stroke. And they told me that the right side of his body was going to be paralyzed. Well, six weeks later, they're now telling me that you cannot revive muscles after a certain point. And so your husband will be paralyzed from the neck down. And where the stroke hit your husband was in the area of language. And he may not be able to talk. He may just be able to mumble. Uh, he may be just able to point at pictures. That may be the way you communicate with him. And, um, and he'll probably be on a respirator for the rest of his life. He'll be in some sort of uh, home on a bed. And that's not what your husband wanted, Karen. <laughs> Right. So, so much to have to process too. I can't even imagine. So uh, the uh, I I was um, the Sunday. All right. So the world knew. <laughs> our our network of prayer knew that 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 Wednesday was going to be the day that Paul was going to be taken off the ventilator, and that Sunday there must have been a world of prayer that went up because that same doctor who kept calling me, saying it's time to, for him to go, uh, called me up that Monday morning, really, really excited. And she said, Karen, I just walked into your husband's room and he had his leg thrown off the side of the bed. And, and while I was in there, he threw his arm off the side of the bed. <laughs> and Karen, it was his right arm. Amen. So, Praise God. And it was, it was just, uh, it's just so exciting. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm scheduled to come and see my husband. And they said, no, you can't see him now because he's not going to die. <laughs> I said, I was promised that I could go see my husband. I'm coming. And so uh, it, was, it was really good to see him again. Um, his eyes, he was still in a, a semi Coleman State, his eyes were just floating everywhere, but I spoke to his spirit, and I said, Paul Whitley, you will wake up out of that thing, mm -hmm. and you will, you will rise. So um, he, was, uh, he was sent to five hospitals. Uh, the, the last two hospitals was a, uh, a respiratory hospital where he was taught to breathe again. He came off the uh, ventilator, off the trachea, and uh, then the, the next uh, hospital he went to was a rehab hospital. Well, um, I wanted him to go to Emory. It's supposed to be the, it's the best in the southeast. And uh, they kept saying, well, he does, he's, he's not well enough to go to Emory. He's too weak. He's too, he can't, he can't walk yet. He can't do this, that, or the other. He's not going to Emory. He's going to have to go to a nursing home. And I uh, so um, they would call me up, and he said, you know, he's only, the government says he can only stay in, at a respiratory hospital for four weeks. This is growing on six weeks, Karen. You've got to give us a name that we can send him to. And uh, in the meantime, Paul is making tremendous progress. Um, but they don't know about it because the last time they evaluated him was like two weeks earlier. But anyway, I... Uh, I said, well, he's going to Emory. And they said, he's not qualified. <laughs> so they finally called me uh, in the morning and said, your husband is leaving this hospital at uh, 3 o'clock today. And we need to know where you're going to put him because he's going to be in the ambulance. And I said, I said look, there, there's been more evaluation. I can get you papers. I can show you that he's improved. You know, so I went around the house and I tried to find the documentation that I had. And um, uh, as I was running out the door to bring them the documentation or get to a fax machine, I get another phone call. And they say, your husband is going to Emory. He said that <laughs> President, <laughs> President Trump had made an edict that, that morning or that afternoon saying, Everyone who wants a rehab hospital it will be able to go, and we will pay for it. Wow. So uh, he went to Emory, and uh, he was able to, to pass the physical in less than two weeks 
to come home. And uh, but I didn't come home. I didn't come home, and this was in uh, what month was it? It was uh, the end of December. Oh, well, actually, I came home the end of December, but uh, there was a lot of time between the time they said he's going to live. I thought I was going to go home, and I did go home for quite, quite a, a long time, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I know this is getting long, I'm sorry. But uh, so on my side of it, I didn't know what happened for six weeks. And then all of a sudden, I found myself awake, but not real cognizant, you know, and didn't know where I was. Didn't know how long it had been. Didn't know what had happened because I'd been unconscious all that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was maybe a week later before I finally was able to get my wife on the phone. And we had to communicate by phone most of the time until I, I finally came home. Um, and so I, I come home. I can't walk. I, I'm, I have to use a wheelchair. And uh, I can do a few things. I can eat. <laughs> but uh, that was about it. And so I got home. I spent a lot of time. We have a Christian television, and I spent a lot of time on the television, watching television and trying to get caught up with with news and what was going on. And uh, I couldn't see my wife. I couldn't see my daughter. Uh, I found out everybody was still alive, and I was doing good. And so uh, once I got home, um uh, you know, things were, were kind of bad. One morning I woke up and I could not talk. I could not talk. I had lost the ability to talk. And uh, I tried to motion to my wife what, what to do, what, what was going to happen. And so, and I couldn't walk. And so uh, I got outside. We've got a, a good bit of land. He couldn't walk without his walker. Yeah. It's one of those walkers. And uh, so I went outside with my walker. And I said, Lord, I can't live this way. I, I've got to be able to walk. And so, Lord, I'm on. I was, of course, standing up outside. And I said, I'm going to put my walker over here. And I want to be able to walk. There was a path that I could walk. And I said, so help me, Lord, walk. And I couldn't talk, couldn't do anything, you know. But I could pray. I pray in tongues. And so I could pray in tongues all that time once I got conscious. And so I just started praying in tongues. And really kind of, I, I was walking, but, you know, it was just like moving one foot in front of the other. And I walked out of the ways, and I stopped, and I turned around because it started going uphill. And I knew I couldn't do that. So I turned around and started walking back. And on that walk, my voice came back. Wow. Now, I couldn't talk very well, and I, I got back. She didn't even know where I was. And I got back to the house, and I got my walker, and I went in. And she turned, and she says, well, where have you been? And I spoke to her, and I said, my voice came back. I'm able to talk again, but I'm going to go lay down. <laughs> <laughs> and so for about two hours, or maybe three, I don't know, it was still early in the morning. And... uh I laid down, rested, and got up and came back inside. I still had to use the walker, and I was able to uh, talk. And praise God, that happened twice to me. Uh, but God gave me that back. I didn't preach, but I was able to talk. And so over the next uh, several months, this happened. It didn't happen overnight. I was able to get my balance back. I was able to start walking again. Uh, I used to be a runner in college, and uh, I'm not a runner anymore. I could I could walk pretty good now, though, and uh, so God took care of me. I just want you to know that if you've gone through a situation, or if anybody in you or anybody in your family is going through a situation where it just looks impossible, and maybe you've been told it's impossible. You'll never be able to speak again or you'll never be able to walk again. I want you to know that God is a, a great God, Amen. that he is able to do whatever needs to be done, Amen. but he needs a believer. He needs us to believe in what his word says and what the word says 
he can do because he wants to do it. So I, I want to encourage you after my testimony, after Karen's testimony, don't give up on anything. Don't give up. Even though it looks horrible, don't give up. I still can't read very well at all. I still can't read very well, but I expect to be able to read. I can't read my Bible because uh, of, of all this, but I, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I can walk. I can run. I go on the mission field. Uh, we just got back. We've been twice this year to go overseas and, and get some things to Bolivia. And uh, we've, got, we've already got two or three trips planned for next year. And uh, we're going to take some people with us. And uh, so I want to share my testimony, Karen, to share her testimony, because I want people to be encouraged that God is real and God can do anything, but he wants us to follow him and to know his word and to know what, and, and have the faith to declare. Amen. Have the faith to declare. And uh, 40 years being married, and this is just a very short testimony. But God is so good. These are some of the miracles he's done in our life. And uh, by the way, we're not content at our young age to uh, sit at home and watch television, do that stuff. We're out. We're wanting to go back to the field. We want to do what God wants to do. We want to share our testimony. And we want people to experience the goodness and the miracles of God. So I, I, this is probably a long testimony for you. It's short for us, but we're not gonna we're not gonna take much of your time, Pastor. My my my. How about that? How about that? Praise God. I love that. I love what they do too. They they come alongside pastors and leaders in different countries. And as a pastor, I can tell you, man, it's nice to have somebody come alongside you to help equip and train and, and help you uh, propel your ministry to, to increase the reach and, and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. We're kindred spirits for sure. And we, say that we, we share that same heart for development and training and equipping. Um, and I can't wait to get out on the missions field with you guys. Oh, wow. That would be wonderful. We'll be, taking, we'll be taking a team. If anybody wants to go, uh, probably, probably in March uh, to South America. And we'll go again this summer. So we're, we're signing up. People want to go. Okay. And, uh, so if you'd like to go. I never had gone when I went the first time. And uh, so I went. And uh, I liked it. I came home. I said, Karen, you got to go. You got to go. We both had full-time job. Said you got to go. And she started going. Before you know it, we're full-time. Not that you're gonna be full-time, but you might. You never know. What a blessing. What do y'all think? Y'all want to do a little missions trip with these guys? Yeah. yeah Amen. Well, I I have to say that our summer trip is already full. Yeah. But March is open. March is open. Uh -huh. So we'll have more information soon on that. If you'd like to go. Um, we'll get you the information so that we can go. I want in on that. All that right. We'd love to have you. one for sure. Wow. And uh, if you guys want to hop on the adventure train and go out there on the missions field, if you feel called to do that, and I would say pray and make sure you feel called to do that. Yes. And you're not just approaching it like, hey, I'm going to get out of the country and go on a mini vacation. That's not your, you, you better hit the brakes on that and pray <laughs> and know that God's calling you. Um, you, you got a taste of what you may experience um, mm -hmm. out there. You just never know on the missions field what you'll encounter. But Paul and Karen, we appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank y'all for being here for sure. Um, let me let me go ahead and can can we uh, all just stretch our hands towards Paul and Karen and yes, let's pray over Lord. them this morning. Father, thank you so much for these two warriors in the kingdom of God. We just scratched the surface on all that you've been able to do in them and through them, Father, for the countless lives that are represented here, Lord, for the countless people whose eternities have been changed because of the ministry through these two. Father, we just give you praise and we give you thanks. Lord, we just speak strength and life and wisdom, 
the power of your spirit and your anointing over these two mm -hmm. and their ministry and all those that it represents, Father. Lord, we just speak continued healing and mm -hmm. restoration over Paul. Lord, thank you, thank Father, you, for this Jesus. amazing testimony of restoration. Lord, mm -hmm. He shouldn't be talking. He shouldn't be walking. He should be paralyzed from the neck down. But you had a different plan thank and a different you, purpose. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you. I know sometimes we have to endure a little bit, Lord, but the testimony on the mm -hmm. other side is priceless. Lord, I thank you for this priceless testimony mm -hmm. of your faithfulness, Lord. Thank Let you, it Lord. encourage so many today. Lord, I just pray that you continue to open doors ahead of these two. Yes. Lord, I thank you for this partnership that's just birthing between Eastgate and invading yes, the darkness. Lord, I just pray, Lord, for years of fruitful ministry and partnership ahead of mm -hmm. us to decades to to beyond father as we partner together to reach this world for you lord thank we you, give lord. you glory and we give you praise for this amazing couple and for all that you've done in jesus name amen amen, amen, amen. and amen let's give god some praise in the house this morning thank y'all so much perfect man Love y'all. See what I'm saying? He's a handsome guy, isn't he? So, you can go ahead, Roy, if you would. Help okay, Miss Karen. Oh, yeah, get your Bible. Um, be sure before you leave today to shake their hand and hug their neck and tell them thank you for what they're doing for sure. And uh, my goodness gracious. I'm going to pray one more time, and then Rachel, if you will, come on up and, and close us out. What a powerful day in the presence of God. Amen? I want to say yeah. how proud we are to be a part of this church you guys um, have something very very special here Amen. and god is moving in this place yes. and it's just an honor to be a part of it Pastor. wow part praise god for that guys. praise god for that so yeah i could do this all day there's so much more to the story too i'm like we just don't have enough hours to, to get all this out. You need to get to know these two. You'll be blessed for sure. Father, thank you again for all you've done today, Lord, for the encouragement, for the testimonies, Lord, for your faithfulness, for the prayers that were answered earlier today at the altar. Lord, we just give you praise for it. We just give you honor. Lord, we just thank you for what we get to do in serving you. Too many people look at this stuff at, out of obligation or, or they're given... They're driven by guilt. Lord, let that not be our hearts. Lord, we get to do this. We get to tell so many other people about the Savior that has transformed us, Lord. And we just give you praise for the great opportunities that we have now and for the doors that you're opening for us in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.